1: ...encouraging younger generations and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB, Talk860 and Womentowatch.net. I'm thrilled to be back in the studio after a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. I hope uh, everybody enjoyed their time off of work with family and friends... Um, real quick i want to give you our um, website address so that you can uh, check out our website for all things pertaining to the show in particular our lineup we have some wonderful women coming on the show and you can find all of that information at womentowatch.net that's women the number two watch.net and be sure to follow us on social media as well we're on facebook twitter and instagram Um, i'm Thrilled today. We're going to have a wonderful show. I have two women joining me this afternoon. And the first is Patty Evans. Uh, Patty, let me, am I pronouncing your last name correctly? You're so close. It's Ivins. Ivins, sorry. I. I had hoped to. No gra- I was going to grab, hop on the phone with you before the show just to um, to confirm that. But uh, Patty Ivins is joining us. She's on the phone and calling in from California. Patty is an Emmy Award winning producer, director, and writer, and she's worked on some um, some projects, primetime television projects and documentaries for NBC. Fox, Showtime, uh, the Oprah Winfrey Network, Lifetime, Discovery, uh, just to name a few. And currently, Patty is working on a documentary called Hungry, which reveals uh, gender inequality in the culinary world. Um, so we wanted to have Patty on at the top of the show today to talk a little bit about this film and to give us some information on what exactly is happening for women in that uh, in that area. Patty, thanks so much for calling in.
2: Susan, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I love what you do with your channel. This is just, your show is wonderful. And we all, it's so nice to get to hear other women's stories.
1: Oh, thank you for saying that. I know we're trying to, we're trying to tell as many as we can.
2: (laughs) So it's so great. Well, And we did the same thing with this film. And so the documentary was really a phenomenal opportunity to shed light on gender inequality. And really, you know, as a culture, we've been so obsessed with food and the food industry probably for like the past 10 years. And so Logo Documentary Films is a very incredible unit out of Logo, which is a sister network to VH1 and MTV and in that Viacom family. And they've really been dedicated to featuring stories um that you may not hear anywhere else right and they've done a a slew of really incredible films this was the first film that they commissioned from the ground up and knew they wanted to do something with gender and gender equality and the pursuit of it
1: so patty you you know you have your own um company but you're working with um another company uh pronounce that for me, Boonman and Murray? It's called Buna Murray. Buna Murray, yes. And did they approach you about this film? No, it was really the
2: people at Logo. Um, Logo Docs, I've done a lot of business with Logo as a network in general. They're just a really incredible group of people, and um, their programming really reflects it. They've got some real juggernaut hits. Um, So, My deal with Bina Murray is a little bit different, but Logo approached me about being the filmmaker to make um, a documentary about this space, knowing that they wanted to do something about gender inequality and knowing that they loved the food space. And it was really – they were so wise to kind of put these two spaces together because I think what we see in Hungary is we see that gender inequality happens in every career. I mean, whether you know, you're know you a bus driver or you're an accountant or a lawyer, it's happening in every field. But it was really fun to watch it specifically in the field of chefing and, so, um, and entrepreneurship around being a, being a female chef.
1: Yeah. So just to get the listeners a sense of the film, you actually f- follow or, or spotlight three female chefs. And... Kind of their, you know, their own journeys and how they are looking to revolutionize this industry. Can tell me what was the most shocking to you um, when you began working with them and learning more about what was going on? Well, I think there's two things about this. What was I'm going to tell you first?
2: What was most inspiring, um, and then I'll tell you what was more shocking, deeper in, the, in our little time together. Okay. But what was most inspiring is that you know we as women. There, I think that we're such a resourceful group. I mean, I think when there's obstacles, women generally go, well, I'm not going to not get my goal. I just need to find a more creative way to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think what I saw with these three chefs is they all had this passion for cooking and being excellent in their field, and they all wanted to experience that through their own restaurants. And, And they each have different reasons for doing that, but ultimately they had the most freedom and freedom of expression um, if they own their own kitchen. So really the film ended up being almost as much about entrepreneurship in general as it was specifically about the cooking world. Um, so I think for me that's one thing. And then the thing that was most shocking, I'd say, is really it's so disappointing in 2016 that people don't want to talk about gender equality, Um And I've kind of gone to calling it more gender, just the pursuit of gender equality rather than focusing on the inequality, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of nuancy. But over time, I've just, I've leaned more that way. I think there are, you know, I think people, it makes people uncomfortable to talk about. But once, you know, once you start to realize, you know, no one's saying that, you know, men are in the way of women. That's really not – I think a lot of people are afraid g- women are going to come off as being angry for discussing this. That's right. I don't think that anyone starts from the place of being, like, angry or hostile. I think people and women are really just saying, hey, listen, I'm great at what I do, and I would like the same shot as the chef next to me who happens to be a man. And and ultimately, I think what this film reveals and a lot of the research that's out there um, in the chef world and also just in general working – working world is that men tend to get more opportunities than women. And that is not an opinion. That's just actually a fact.
1: You're right. You're, it is. It is, And I love how you said, you know, uh, that women um, tend to keep some of their opinions, I would say, to themselves um, at risk of appearing, as you said, angry. And I think, um, you know, today shows like ours where we're just making it an everyday conversation um, I think is a right way to, to kind of talk about it but in a, in a more positive light because women are just like you and, and your partner going out and making things happen without being concerned about barriers or, uh, you know, things that, that men are doing around you. It, it's really not about that. It's, it's letting It's letting women know, I think, too, that they have these abilities and that they should have the same opportunities and not be afraid Absolutely. to speak up about it.
2: And also, not to be surprised, I think, you know, I've been a business owner for 13 years. I think even making this film and kind of doing the deep dive into the research for women entrepreneurship, it was it was actually validating to me. There were times that, you know, we didn't get approved for loans that we went out for. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, our balance sheet looks pretty amazing. I'm really surprised we didn't get that loan. Um, but come to think now you know, really women tend to get 4% of the small business loans that are out there. So there's, I think in some ways it's really validating to see other people's journeys and other people's experiences to realize, gosh, it wasn't just me. Um, you know, this system isn't super friendly to women in general. You and, know, and the system in general can do better.
1: Yeah. I think it, sometimes it's a catch-22 because they're not getting, and it I'll be talking. Uh, my my guest, following your segment, Patty, um, is Janine Ellenberger, and she has just recently launched her own company. Uh, it's called Teen Suticals, um, and it's a skincare company. Um, and I know that she's shaking her head as you're saying a lot of the things that you're saying because it probably resonates with her. But you know, the funding often is not there because, you know, historically men have been the owners of all of the companies, right? So how do right. we get to this place where um, we are, you know, doing it at an equal level so that the funding won't be based on gender. It'll be more about, you know, the product or or right. the experience. Well, and I think
2: there's a, a, an incredible sociologist out of Texas who we interviewed for the film, and her name is Dr. Deborah Harris. And she and her... Partner co-wrote a book. Um, forgetting her name, forgive me. But she had a co-author on the book
0: um,
2: called Taking the Heat, and it was a deep dive into this t- this subject matter for Hungary. Um, coincidentally, she had published it like six months before we started making our film, so we were so delighted to get to interview her for the film. But she basically um, really makes some imp- important connections between, you know, when women get more media then investors believe in them more and therefore give them more money. And there's a real cycle here that is vital. So the media representation is really very integral to the process. Mm. And it's important because it informs and and almost gives validity to these um, investors who have the money. To go, wow. Well, maybe you know your next guest, Teen Sutical, is getting press. I can invest in her property because I believe she can get the word out about her great product.
1: Yeah. Well, and, that and, makes me. And so these. I was yeah, gonna say that makes really me very happy. Doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. What you for the show. Well, thank you, Patty. I have to let you go, and I want to um, make sure that our listeners can find you. And uh, I guess the best place to send them is PB and J Television. Yep. You can also go to our Twitter account, which is
2: Twitter, you know, backslash P-B-A-N-D-J-T-V. Um, or you can Google the film Hungry. We have their website for Hungry is hungry-doc.com. Okay. And you can also check out – the film will be available at logotv.com and on iTunes.
1: Okay. Terrific. Well, I wish you much Thank success. You so much, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it, Patty. All
2: right. Wishing you all the best. Thank okay, you. bye.
1: Take care. Bye. Uh, so that's um, – our very first guest at the top of the show, Patty Ivins. It's going to be interesting to see how she makes out with her next documentary, but um, she's doing some really great work, and, and she's a huge advocate for women. And now I'd like to welcome to the show um, my very special guest, Janine Ellenberger. And again, Janine is the founder of Teenceuticals, LLC, which is a startup skincare company Dedicated to the re- research, excuse me, and production of products for teenagers, and I guess under that heading is Great Skin, which is a line of products. Uh, Janine,
3: thanks for coming in this afternoon. Thank you so much, Susan. It's lovely to be on the show, and I'm really excited because after the show, I'm popping straight out to the bank to get a loan. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: did Patty just, uh, <laughs> just inspire inspired you? Me. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh my gosh, I hope she's listening uh, to that. Um, but she's so she's so right about that. You know that. That's an area in particular for women in entrepreneurship where, you know, we're, we're lacking a little bit, you know, that funding. But I know that there's, there's organizations that are dedicated to just that, yes, you know, yes. trying to promote um, companies that are run by women. So um, I, I'm thrilled that you're nearby and were able to join me in person in the studio. But you were, I'll tell the listeners, originally from South Africa, which is not around the corner. And I'd love for you to talk for a few minutes about your growing up years there, um, your family, and, and what your aspirations were as a young girl that preceded your uh, moving here to the U.S.
3: Um, thank you, Susan. So I was born in a, in a small town, well, small city uh, in the central part of South Africa called Bloemfontein. Translated to English, it, it means the fountain of flowers, which is quite bizarre because it was in the middle of the desert and very dry. Oh. <laughs> um, and I was born um, under apartheid, so grew up very much under the apartheid system in South Africa. I grew up very happily going to a um, all-girl Anglican school and... Really, a very sheltered, sheltered upbringing. My aspirations, you know, growing up, I decided I wanted to become a doctor, and was able then to go to college and study medicine um, in the same town that I grew up. And after that, was able to go and practice um, medicine there for ten years before we before we left the country.
1: Now, you, um, I know you have two sisters, and we were talking before the show about um, a- an event that happened in your life that was certainly tragic and um, has played a role in your wanting to be a doctor and, or be a healer, I will say. Can you talk about that incident? So
3: I, we were four children. Um, I had a younger brother. He was two years younger than me, and he passed away unexpectedly when he was four years old, so I was six and I think these things happen in life and probably guide your path as to, to where you go. And, you know, I think partly becoming a doctor was because I wanted to heal people so that they wouldn't get sick and they wouldn't leave. Um, and really my tendency is to want to fix problems, fix people. And I think definitely that played a, a role in, in my decision to study medicine.
1: Would you say that it has always been your desire to help young people, in particular? You know, when you look back at that, losing your younger brother.
3: I think you're quite right. Yes, that probably just has highlighted it. I'm very concerned about the younger, the younger generation and where they're going. And my poor kids, I think they, they I drive them crazy about their health.
1: Do, do you, yeah, Do you find that you're a little overprotective yeah. by nature?
3: I, I do spend a lot of time educating them about, about. Um, Diet and lifestyle and choices, and I'm, I'm very—when I say obsessed, that would be terrible to say I'm obsessed with with their general health and well-being.
1: Yeah, but well, yes. I don't know how you could have gone through an experience like that and not have that always be in your mind, <clears throat> right? So it's some yeah something that Absolutely. happened, and you know that it can. Yes. And so you think about that. It's interesting. Um, you 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 mentioned going to an all-girls academy. Um, I always love to to get. Women's take on that experience in particular, and, and hear whether you thought that was something that helped shape your confidence, you know, as a young woman being in that kind of environment. Um, or do you think it was a detriment, you know, not having been in a co ed?
3: I think sometimes what you don't know, you don't miss. And so I came from, so it's, I'm, we're one of three girls, and I went to an all girls school. I think for me it was a blessing. I was very tall. So I was the tallest person in the school. So I wasn't really that concerned about boys or dating or going out. And I think that really sort of gave me the confidence to be who I wanted to be. So, no, I think going to an all-girls school academy probably was the best thing for me.
1: Yeah.
3: It, it did. I think having the the good friends that you make with girls, there was no competition. It, would, it, it was a good experience.
1: Yeah. I think often, in those types of schools there's there 's such a messaging of of leadership yes. you know and and confidence and self esteem um, that can carry over you know into the rest of your life
3: and a sense of community working together doing things together that 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 always stands out to me
1: yes, and then you went on to um university in South Africa, and uh, I know that you had some aspirations to perhaps go to cape Town and I but did. that didn't I was, happen. I was so
3: excited to leave the small town and spread my wings and go to Cape Town, the most beautiful city in the world. But it didn't happen because I was accepted to med school in the town where I grew up. So um, I remember my dad saying to me, "Well, my girl, you have a choice. You know, you can go off and go to college and have fun, or you can do the right thing and stay <laughs> and study medicine, which is what I did. No pressure, right? No pressure." <laughs>
1: So tell me what you did right out of um, right out of school when you graduated.
3: Med school. Mm-hmm. I actually went and worked in a small country called Swaziland, which is surrounded by South Africa. Um, it's tiny. They still have a king. I think the king was 14 years old at the time. Oh, my gosh. And I wow. worked in a rural hospital there for six months mm-hmm. just to gain some more experience. So we, we did our residency, and then after residency, you... Either go and specialize, or you go out and, and you practice. So, I went and worked there, and then I moved to another town on the coast and worked um, for somebody there for a few years, and then moved down to Cape Town and started a practice there and worked there for six years.
1: Okay, so you did. You started that practice. Were you the only doctor?
3: I was, and then somebody joined me, so okay. there were two of us. Yes. And what? And it was a women's. It was women, predominantly women's health. I did two years of OBGYN. The system's a little different, so I did yeah. a diploma in OBGYN. So we did mostly women's health um, from pre, pre-pregnancy to post-menopausal.
1: Okay. And uh, did you meet your husband while you were there?
3: You know, I met my husband when I was still working in this small coastal town. And that's, a, that's another story. <laughs> well, please share. <laughs> I, my cousin was down at the yacht club one evening, and she called and said, oh, I must please come down and, and meet her. She's met this guy, and she's going sailing around the world. I said, great. <laughs> After work, I went down there, and I met this other guy who uh, was up there gorgeous. And literally a month later, he said to me, well, I'm going sailing around the world. Would you like to join me? And they had built That's quite this, an invitation. Well, they had built this <laughs> boat. So it was a, a home-built boat. And the sailing around the world amounted to going up the east coast of Africa where it's not charted. There was no GPS. There was no satinale. <laughs> there was no death sounder.
1: Not exactly around the world. So I gave up
3: my work, put my house on the market.
1: Wow. And got on the
3: boat with this man that I barely knew, and off I went for six months. Wow. Okay, that's adventurous. That's adventurous. That
1: says a lot about you.
3: <laughs> it was a great time, I must say. It was very interesting. We went to sort of places in Africa where they'd never seen white people before. And I I saw illnesses there and children that I would have never experienced anywhere else because I would just go ashore and meet the people and treat the kids that came with all sorts of tropical illnesses. It was fascinating. So it
1: really was a, a six-month adventure. You weren't working. You were just no. traveling and Wow. Yeah. And did your, you know, um, your partner, I'll say, was kind of holding down the, the fort while you were gone? No, you kept. No, the.
3: Um, at oh, the at the practice. At actually, the practice. she took over the practice.
1: Okay, she did. And
3: yes. And then when we got back, we moved to another city. So she just kept that practice.
1: Okay. So at some point, you came over to the United States, and, and how did that come about?
3: We did we uh, moved it my husband was transferred for his work from South Africa to the u k mm-hmm. so we moved over there for just under three years and then he was transferred to Miami, so we moved to Miami in two thousand and three
1: okay, and it was then that you took on uh, the role with um, Derma concepts right as the medical director yes, and tell me how you got that job i mean you you know had come from another country and um. so
3: Dema Concepts is a company that sells a skincare line called Environ which originated in South Africa the founder of the company is a South African plastic surgeon dr Des Fernandez amazing man a, tr- a true renaissance man and i actually landing in the us i thought what am i going to do now and i needed something Mm -hmm. I I couldn't practice medicine. I would have to go back to school and do my boards and do a residency. I had two small kids, and I just didn't see my way clear to studying and doing a residency right then. So I called Des in South Africa and said, Des, what are you doing with Environ? And he said, oh, well, we have a great distributor in the U.S., and they're looking for a medical director. Call them. So I did.
1: So you did. And it was – did you come to Miami at that point? Was yes, that, okay. that was when you we were in did, Miami. You yes. were in Miami. So, you know, one of the things um, that is very evident in your in your journey and in your career was this moving around, right, a lot.
3: Never as a child, but as that, an adult, yeah, yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's so interesting. And, um, you know, I often will say, tell me something that you learned, you know, tell me something you learned. You were with Derma Concepts for 10 years, I think, almost 11 Um I, I'm interested in this traveling that you have done and as you said to me, you know, before the show, this adaptability that it gave you. What do you think that what is the most positive aspect of that? People will say sometimes moving around so much doesn't give them that, that feeling of home, that home base. But yet you've looked at it as this wonderful opportunity to meet new people and and build this um uh,
3: ability to to adapt to new things I think it's a little bit about similar to what Patty said it's being resourceful. You get somewhere and you you want to be comfortable, you want to feel secure and you want to be confident. so you have to create that environment for yourself and you look around and you think, What can I do? How am I going to do this? You know how am I going to be able to be flexible enough to manage the kids um do what you want to do. And still be somebody who contributes and makes a difference and has an impact on life. So I think you just get to where you are and you look around and say, right, what is it the next step that I have to take? Mm-hmm. I almost think it's not overthinking it; you just do it.
1: Mm, yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, I think um, as a culture we tend to overanalyze things.
3: analysis paralysis.
1: There you go. Yes, yes. And sometimes you're right. You just need to look at your situation and think, you know, what do I need to do next? Um, So working there in that role um, and raising children, what was the most difficult about those years?
3: I think the the hardest thing with the, ten, with the eight nine years in Miami, I, I continued to commute to the UK for my practice in the UK. I didn't want to give that up. It was almost as a part of me who I was, and I loved being a doctor and I loved helping people. It was difficult to juggle. It was difficult to juggle going back and trying to keep your degree, you know, up to date. Um, being this person that flies around the US as his medical director, lecturing at places. Um, and then get, being at home and, and juggling the time and trying to be the best person for each of those roles, mm. I think that was hard.
1: Yeah. So how often did you did you fly back to South Africa? To,
3: I went back to the UK. Are UK? A I'm in, sorry. In London. Yes. Um, every, yes. I went every month. Every month. Yes.
1: So once a month you were traveling to the UK. The other times you were traveling, traveling around the country. Around.
3: And you had two small children. And I had two small children, and then a third. And I had a husband who also traveled a lot. Yes. So it was really, we always made the joke that we made a great single-parent family. But it it gets tiring. And I think that's why when we moved to Philadelphia, I decided that I really wanted to create something that I could take with me wherever I went. And I didn't have to change or reinvent myself anymore.
1: Yeah. And do you think that's a, um, a yearning that you had later in life?
3: I think or is, it is that something that get, you had when you were young? No, I think it's as we it get developed. older. Yes, it develops.
1: Yeah. So what year did you come to Philadelphia?
3: We've been here for six years now.
1: For six years, mm-hmm. and um, well, what was that like? I mean, Philadelphia and Miami are two completely different I tell you, worlds. I am still.
3: I'm not looking forward to the winter. No, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's been the biggest, uh, hardest thing to overcome was this, the cold. Yeah.
1: And do you think this is going to be a permanent residency for you, or do you foresee, you I know, I've learned possi- to say
3: nothing is permanent. I don't know. You don't know. I don't know. And we how know. old
1: are your children now?
3: I have a son in college, first-year college in Miami, and then I have a 10th grader and a 9-year-old little girl.
1: Oh, okay. So that spans the whole gamut. Um, listen, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about your your decision to start this company and what some of the pitfalls have been um, in doing so. We'll be right
0: back. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography, and automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram.
1: Are you the parent of a daughter in middle school? If so, I must tell you about an upcoming event at Mount St. Joseph Academy on Sunday, October the 16th at 12 noon. As the parent of an alum, I know firsthand the value of their academic excellence, athletic and arts programs. This private all-girls Catholic high school in Montgomery County provides the foundation our daughters need to go on to leadership roles at top universities and future careers. I know my daughter did. To register for the open house on Sunday, October the 16th at 12 noon, go to msjacad.org backslash house and be sure to ask about their financial assistance and scholarship programs when you visit
0: msjacad.org backslash house. I'm Jocelyn Ewart, founding principal of Entrust Financial in Wayne, Pennsylvania, and it is my pleasure to share financial tips with you during my monthly segment on Women to Watch. I hope you are a regular listener like I am and that you are finding the personal finance tips I provide helpful. Some of the topics we have discussed so far this year are how to get organized, how to help your children learn good money habits, how to create that all-important travel budget, and what steps are needed as you prepare for retirement. Now I have truly exciting news for you. News you can share with your family and friends. As a veteran certified financial planner professional, I just published my first book, Balancing Act Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. It is filled with inspiring, real case studies to help you and other women move past fear, build confidence, and make the right decisions without financial concerns. Just go to Amazon.com to purchase your copy and please. Write a review for Balancing Act Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. I look forward to reading it. Welcome back, everyone, to another
1: week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and Women to Watch .net. I'm joined this afternoon uh, by Janine Ellenberger, and Janine is the founder of Teen Suticals LLC, um, which again is a startup. It's a startup company, skincare company that. Um, is dedicated to research and products for young people, teenagers, uh, young adults, and um, you know we should uh, we should mention why in particular you started that company because I I believe it had to do with your daughter who was having some issues
3: with her own skin. <laughs> <laughs> um, while I was working for Derma Concepts, I would lecture quite frequently actually at Canyon Ranch. And I'd lecture all the mums, and they would all say to me, oh, this is so interesting about the skin and you know, the skin being the largest organ in the body and how it's at risk for so many things and the chemicals that we put on it. What can we buy for our kids? And this California Baby for the younger kids, but what was out there for the teenagers, the college students – and really, nobody wanted to buy um, expensive anti- anti-aging anti products right, or right. anti-aging products for their 22-year-old or 23-year-old. That's right. And that was sort of the one factor that, that got me thinking, okay, I need to make a product line. Backtracking a little bit, when we moved to Miami initially, um, I started formulating a sunscreen because I have two redheads, two redheads. My daughter's a redhead and my son's a redhead. And are they fair? Very fair. Yes, okay. And my both my father and my sister had melanomas in mm. very – my dad was 30 and my sister was 22. And interestingly enough, I actually – our um, associated pediatric practice in South Africa lost a nine-year-old little boy from a melanoma when I was practicing in South Africa. So I was always really being aware of their skin and and protecting them against the sun and – Skin cancer is on the increase in in young children and teenagers. It's actually the number one cancer in boys aged 17 to 24. We we never think of that. That's right. I never
1: would have known that.
3: So I was really um, obsessed with sunscreen for them. And all the sunscreens have chemicals in them. Mm -hmm. So I started formulating a sunscreen that just had the zinc and antioxidants it took a very long time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, approval alone. Oh, it just right? takes forever. I can't forever. even imagine.
3: And yes. also, not not coming from the manufacturing business, or, or even growing up in the U.S. where you have contacts, you could say, "Oh, I can call so and so. You know, they'll know who to speak to."
1: Tell me, really, what was the very first thing you you said? I want to I want to create products for young people for skin. What's the very first thing you did?
3: I went looking for someone to help me formulate. Okay. And, and I went up to the lock? East Coast and I went down the West Coast. And it was hard because people will do it, but they want a lot of money to do it. And I had my own specific ideas. And to find somebody that will just cut you that break and say, hey, I'll help you. No, you don't have to pay me $100,000 up front. That was hard. But, you know, perseverance kind of paid off. Eventually I found somebody mm-hmm. and we formulated these products. And finally, um, finally, it took seven years. Yeah. You know, um,
1: what was the what what year was it when you made the decision that
3: you were going to do it? The last year of Miami. So Did you say six years six, ago? Six, seven years okay, ago. Okay, okay. And then we manufactured and started selling two and a half years ago.
1: And um would would it have been an option to go back to Dharma Concepts and say I want to start a line now? I did. They oh, you were open to that. Oh interesting. Jeez. Okay, especially with your connection to South Africa. Would,
3: I spoke to him and he said, "Look, Janine, I'm not interested in the teen market. Go ahead. You have my blessing. <laughs> good luck.
1: <laughs> yes, good luck. <laughs> you have my blessing. Well that, I wasn't asking for your blessing but <laughs> uh, um, So when you you made this decision, then you have to um, you know get getting funding, as we were talking about at the very top of the show, and being a woman, sadly, is,
3: it's harder. It is harder. And not coming from a business background, you know, understanding the logistics of manufacturing and um, sourcing raw materials and finding stuff. And then also, you know, as you say, you have to get the sunscreen approved. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a learning curve, and it's it's, if you have to think about it beforehand, it would be so overwhelming, Right. you just wouldn't do it. That's right. But I think taking it step by step the way I did, and yes, it took quite a long time to do it, but I think it made it manageable for me. So I was able to just take these little bite-sized chunks. Now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to go find the bottles. Now I'm going to go and find somebody who will make these small batches of products for me. I think that made it possible. Did your husband uh, help with you know your husband is in finance? My husband works in in the software industry, but he he's my husband is amazing because he believes I can do anything. So he motivates me, he supports anything that I do mm. um and believes that whatever it is is going to work. He's great. Um well, he did. He gives me very good ideas. He's, he's far more practically oriented than I am. Mm-hmm. So he will come and say to me, look, there are, the sales aren't good enough. I'll be like, yes, yes, we'll get there. No, 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 no. <laughs> he's <laughs> he the, numbers guy. Guy. he's yeah. the numbers guy. He's the numbers guy. I guess that, he is.
1: Yeah. That's so, yes. good. That's good. But it's really, I think it's very important to have someone in your corner, <clears throat> excuse me, that gives you that emotional support yes. as well, right? Yes. Because when Because when those days when you want to just throw in the towel and give up, to have somebody there says, no, keep, you've got keep it going. yes yeah.
3: Because there are those days. You yeah. I don't know if you ever found that, but there's some yes. days where everything just goes wrong.
1: Yes. And well, you, you think,
3: why am I doing this? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Tell me about a, a moment, you know, maybe one of your, your proudest moments, you know, a milestone for you so far. And I know, you know, you're still considering this phase one, a startup. Yes. So, you know, up till today, was there a milestone that you reached that you just really felt? Very proud, and and why why did you?
3: It was a very small milestone, and it was when somebody reordered for the second time.
1: Oh yeah.
3: And I thought, okay, so I have made something valuable. Yeah. Somebody finds value in it. It's worked for them. They like it, and they've reordered a second time. And actually, they've reordered six times since then, Sim- which really makes me yeah, happy. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, that's a validation that it's yes. working, and so we should talk about the products. Tell me a little bit about the products, so you know people that are listening understand what they are, and and how they're different from other things that are on the market?
3: I wanted to make products that blended the best of science and nature for the younger generation that wouldn't harm their skin, but gave them good results. I think that the youth are marketed to unscrupulously. Um, uh, Every time I go on television and I see, and I can't say the name of the companies, but these you know, movie actresses and actors supporting these skincare companies, which I know is it's not true, and I know that they're not really doing the things for their skin that they should be doing. I um. I really am proud that I have made something that I know that the first the first rule is do no harm, mm-hmm. and the products are they don't do any harm and they really help those kids or young adults who. Are socially awkward because sometimes they have bad skin, and they're uncomfortable about their acne or their breakouts, or they just want to feel more confident. And great skin does, does give you confidence.
1: Oh, it does, it does. And young people, you know, they're they're in a completely different phase, so their their needs are, you know, from a biological standpoint, completely different from an adult. Um, and I don't know that their their skin
3: is different too. They don't well, need and the product. Well, it's yes,
1: yes, it's con- changing so much. Um, are you – so right now the product line, it's called Great Skin, gr eight S K N. How did you come up with that name? Do you know,
3: we went through so many names. I went to a big company, and they charged me a fortune to give me a spreadsheet of names. And my son was texting me, Mom, W-R-U. And then I, I said to him, da-da-da, and he responded, I-D-K. And I thought, really? <laughs>
1: They were talking in that language that they Something speak. That's what we're going to yes. call a
3: Great Skin G-R-8-S-K-N, because that's the way they text.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great idea. Yeah, I mean because it, it you know it relates to them. It they don't to. speak in regular no. language and words you know that like we do. Um, actually, have your children been you know um, contributing to you know ideas and you know they're they're, they're the. The demographic. They're
3: the demographic. Yeah. They're, they are great. I must say, they tolerate me giving them facials and trying the <laughs> products out on them. And they are very good in that they do um, spread the word amongst their friends. Yeah. And help me pack boxes. Yeah. And actually very supportive.
1: Now, is your um, distributor local? Yes. Or? They are. We have a okay.
3: distributor here and in Dallas. Okay. So I still send products from, from my home. And then we have a warehouse in Dallas that sends product from there.
1: Now, when you look at the business itself, what would you say is the the greatest need right now from a business standpoint for you?
3: Marketing. Mm -hmm. Marketing, I think that's to get the word out there. And it's a difficult market because to print, magazine print no longer reaches the, the teens or the young adults. It's all social media.
1: It's all digital.
3: It's all digital. Yes. And unless you have that phenomenal YouTube video that goes viral, you have to pay big money mm-hmm. to get to be competitive on Google or Facebook or wherever you want to be. Yeah. So it's just we, we, we pride ourselves that most of our, our marketing is education-based. Mm-hmm. We really want to educate the young adults about their skin, about products, what they're putting on their faces. And we talk about diet as well because diet is totally – goes hand-in-hand with what your skin looks like. Um, And just make good, healthy choices. So it's just getting the word out there. I think that's the hardest thing.
1: I I like that you, and and we've spoken before, I like that you um, stay focused on the integrity of the company and what you're trying to do. You could probably seek out a celebrity, you know, um, ambassador, let's say that would get you you know, the, the millions of hits on social media that you want, but it sounds to me that's not a direction you would want to go.
3: No, no uh, um, we say we're real products for real people, so I want the stories to come from the people who use it, really, mm. use it properly and for a period of time and I do think, you know, like anything you get that organic growth and it starts to snowball and eventually we will get there
1: is it has it been helpful to you because there is so much talk in um around lifestyle and health and wellness and fitness yes. which is a great thing um to be launching a product like this that yeah
3: and i do find the millennials far more engaged in that space they are concerned about their health they are concerned about the fact that they need to eat healthily they need to exercise far more than i think i think our generation now is is definitely getting there because we have health issues and we have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. But as a twenty year old I never worried about my diet or how much exercise I was getting. I was busy working and that was my primary focus. Right, right. So I think they're far more balanced than that. So it's a good it's a good space to be in.
1: Yeah. Tell me how you feel about being a woman and a mother who is, is doing the work that you're doing and the example that you're showing to your daughters.
3: I think that's um that's the greatest thing we have. That's the biggest way we can influence in life. You know, there was a, a saying my dad always used to say to me because I would want to give everything to everybody around us, and he always said charity begins in the home. And I think we make change or we we inspire from the core, which is our home and our children. And I think my kids see me working hard but still being focused on them um putting them and their needs as as a, as a top priority but at the same time giving myself the the time to work and achieve and succeed and i think that's a good a good balance for i think it's good for them to see that balance
1: yeah it's it it's reality right? it's reality it's yes. reality especially in today's world where you know it's typically both um parents parents have to be have to be right mm-hmm. working if they want to provide you mm-hmm. know a decent Uh, life for their children, what what would you say, when you look at, young women are um, something that we care a lot about, um, you know, with Women to Watch, and we have a Girls to Watch blog. So I have some young women, uh, aspiring writers, who are telling stories of of younger women doing great things around the world. Um, What would you say is one of the, you know, when you think about speaking to your own daughters about confidence and having a voice? not getting lost in, in that, you know, following the crowd and, and what everyone is doing. Um, what do you think is their greatest challenge in doing that? And and how do you feel we can help them to, to
3: overcome it? I think social media is the greatest challenge. I look at um, my daughter, who's nine, um, and... The amount of time she she has friends who are slightly older, and they on social media looking at pictures and other people and lives, and I think it's it can be quite frightening because they create a reality or world for themselves within that social media that is not necessarily real. Mm. I think to keep to to reinforce or keep telling them that that's not the real world and this is the real world. I think if you as a mother or as a woman are confident and you portray that to your daughter, I, I think that helps. I do think that helps. Um, I'm in awe of the younger generation. I have some wonderful young ladies or girls that work for me that or I work with that are in their 20s. And I look at the way they manage their lives. They don't stand back for anyone. Mm. And I think that's, that's um, the way it should be.
1: Do you feel that the confidence that you have had and had to have to, to start a company like this is something that you always had, or, or did it develop over time?
3: Susan, I think we get better as we age.
1: I th- I agree. <laughs>
3: I think everything. That's an old
1: saying, but I think it's I very true. I think we true. do.
3: I think our confidence is more consolidated. Um, I think we don't fear as much as we used to when we were younger, and we don't fear failure as much, I think because we've done more and we've accomplished things. So I do think, I mean, I look at my grandmother. She's 94, and she's an amazing woman. And she you
1: still have her. Oh, That's so I'm so, so nice. lucky. I yeah. know.
3: And she's remarkable, and she dances to her own tune, Yeah. which is an inspiration to me. Mm-hmm. I look at that and think, I want to be like that one day. So I think it's such a trickle-down effect.
1: Well, you know, the irony of... Uh, the internet and and you know everything being digital, is, there's so many flaws to that because as you said, the young people in particular create this smoke and mirrors. I like to say you know it's such yeah. a mirage. It's there's so much um, false um, personas behind the pictures, but at the same time, it allows this... To connect with people from around the world, yes. right? It's, and so, it's the good and the bad.
3: The it is in the, the good end. and the
1: bad. Yes. Yeah. So we can, we we're so much more intuned and connected globally, which I think does play into when when you you're able to see what people are doing all around the world. It makes us more curious, number one. Um, but I think it does help women in particular to to build their confidence when they see what other women are doing in in where there's less opportunity. Yes. You know, uh,
3: yes, and if you look at, for example, the women in Africa, yes tell um, me tell
1: me about what what is happening there for women um, that that you're aware of.
3: I think that women there are getting more and more opportunity. Um, my husband's involved in in the microfinance industry, so women are able to get more and more loans um, with greater ease to be able to start their own businesses. And as you say, with with the internet and con- connectivity, they are they're learning about these things, and they're looking around, and saying, "Hey, I can actually get money, and I can start my basket weaving business," and so kind of elevate themselves out of out of poverty, and educate their children. And I think that's where we will see the change. As soon as everybody has access to equal, fair education, women will will be in a far better position in Africa.
1: Now, do you think that support that that funding, that financial support, is coming from within the the local communities, or is it coming from outside? It comes outside? all over
3: the world. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the US is a huge um, international donor of fund to these to these organizations, but it, I mean, you can go online and donate money to these things. So it really ma- it's so much easier for them now to have access to, to as we say, those small business loans to start their own businesses. Yeah. And I think that's great. I think as soon as women are empowered. The children are educated and change happens.
1: You know, there's also organizations today that are um, trying to promote purchasing from women-owned companies Absolutely. and businesses. Yes. That's going to be wonderful for yes. you, right? Yes. Um, if if you could, you know, I often ask, for, you know, l- give some advice, um, things that you have learned as an entrepreneur. And, and sometimes I think it's easier to say just three Three things that you would say to a woman who has an idea and wants to launch her own business. Three very key lessons that you have learned from doing it um, that you would offer to her.
3: Don't listen to the people who say you can't.
1: Okay, that's a good one
3: because there are a lot of them around.
1: Naysayers.
3: Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Just keep going. Those days when you think that you can't, just. Make one little thing that you have to accomplish and accomplish it. That's the next step. That's taking the next step. And then don't give up on the dream. You See it over there. Envision it. And um, keep going.
1: Do you have a, a motto that you live by? You know, I think we, we talk often about the tape that plays in our head, and, um, I wonder if men have that tape in their head, you know, or is it just women? <laughs> I
3: think their drive is different, though.
1: Yeah. So when it so, in other words, when it when that that message, oh, you know, I'm I, I don't know what I'm doing here. You're second guessing. What do you say to yourself to, you know, to pull am, you out of that?
3: I probably need a better mantra at the moment, but my mantra is to make every day count. So every day I have to learn something new, and give something back. That's my every day. Um, so I try really hard to learn something new and give something back.
1: Well, that, and that's a nice way to keep it simple, yes. right? If you're only doing two things every day um, to avoid the overwhelm. Yes. Right? Yes. Did you have an opportunity to read Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In?
3: I haven't. No? No.
1: Um, I, I wanted to know your opinion about that. it you know, to me her sharing that was a way of, of telling women to really just to speak up, mm-hmm. not to be sitting silently when they have an opinion or an idea, um, and particularly when they're surrounded by men. And um her story in her book got a little bit of backlash just because people felt that, you know, she came from such privilege. How could she be, you know, encouraging other women to lean in? But I think the the real message was that she was honest and open about her own insecurities and her self-doubt. And she said in spite of that, speak up. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if if women like that, so she's a notable woman, she has a name that people recognize and know, um, talk about those insecurities. Don't you think it will help other women who, you know, haven't quite reached that certain level?
3: I think we're all the same inside. I think we all have insecurities, we all want certain basic things, and yes, I think a lot of people are people are afraid to speak up um but why what you don't ask for you'll never get, and what you don't acknowledge you'll never know so i um no, I think it's i think i her book is on my list to read is it yeah. yes,
1: yeah, I think you'll enjoy it yes i think, you'll enjoy, I think it resonates with. With everyone, and it yes. really is more about human nature than just kind of women you know feeling insecure
3: absolutely yeah
1: um, tell me what do you have aspirations beyond the company to do you know do, do you feel as that once this company is up and running and it's revenue generating and it 's really going well, perhaps you 'll try something else or or is it something you want to continue to build and, and expand i 'll say into other uh, other products
3: I would like to grow and build it. Um. I always said to my husband, I said, there were three trimesters in our life. I had my first trimester career. I was a physician. My second trimester, I'm, I'm a wannabe businesswoman. You're my- not a wannabe. You are. <laughs> <laughs> and my third trimester, I'd like to go and become a, an eccentric psychologist. So in my retirement, I'd like to do, uh, do my PhD and... Wow, become a psychologist well, one, that, one day. Yeah, one that's, day. That's up there.
1: Okay, that's a great. What a wonderful goal.
3: But I have to make success of this first.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're committed to this, and then that's something maybe down the road. Down the road. Um, I know that you've done some speaking. You know, you've done international speaking, and um, you say you've enjoyed it. What is it about that 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 you enjoy? And that's something that some people are terrified of, getting up and, and speaking in front of. Crowds.
3: I always enjoy the topic I speak about, and I always enjoy giving people good, solid information. And I love the question and answer sessions where you can really help people. Pe- people are often afraid to ask. Yes. And I think if you are a reachable speaker or you have somebody that they can relate to, um, you have a great rapport with the audience, and I enjoy, I enjoy that.
1: So, if, as long as you're prepared, right? Yes, you have this, to be
3: prepared. You have
1: to be prepared, mm-hmm. then you do, you actually enjoy mm-hmm. it. Is there anything that you do in advance of, of, you know, right before you're speaking? Because I know that there's times when people are asked to speak and it's not their forte. Um, what would you say to help them kind of get over the,
3: the nerves of I, that? I always learn the first paragraph of my speech. My talk. The rest I, I wing. I mean, I have my key talking points, but the first paragraph, I always kind of try and memorize it, and I always mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not very helpful. <laughs> and then I kind of like that you kind of relax, and it um, you, you take it from there.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess if you get if you have a very good you know starting off point, then yes. it helps you to relax for the rest get of the
3: speech I think it's about being relaxed. And yes. you often get so uptight just before you step, you know, before yes. you speak. And laughter helps.
1: Tell me, uh, we just have a few minutes left. What do you do? What do you do to relax? What do you do when you're not, you know, behind your desk and working on spreadsheets and on the telephone? That you know is is fun.
3: Susan, you ask embarrassing questions. I do.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness.
3: <laughs> do you know, I um, I used to go to the gym every now and then, and I hated it. So then I started running, and then I hated that. <laughs> So now I dance through the streets, and I'm what? that crazy woman that you see. I do. I love that.
1: What do you mean, through the streets?
3: I go around the suburbs, and I put my music on, and I dance. You do? I do. Is there video of this? I hope not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have your kids or my your husband hit behind the tree and, <laughs> and videotape no. this? Okay, well, I love that. That's certainly um an
3: uninhibited is. Uh, thing to do, an activity. And it makes you feel good and I have had people stop and say, "I want what you're on." <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever called
1: the police? There's a woman dancing a down the street looks like she needs help. Yeah. No, that's awesome because, you know, if you if you don't enjoy running or working out, which I do not either, and but you know you have to do something to get that heart rate up.
3: Absolutely, and good music makes you feel good all day.
1: Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. But I love that you take it outside of the house, and you don't keep you it private to be in the yours. house. <laughs> 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 um, listen, I I have had such a good time chatting with you this afternoon, and I have no doubt that your company is going to take off. And then we'll have to bring you back when you're in your third, as you say, trimester. Thank you. Right? Um, can you give your contact information? Where's the best place? Um, for people to go to find you, whether it's um, I, Teenceuticals or great skin or where's so the best
3: place? Our website is www.greatskin, which is gr the number eight skn dot com. And we're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, whatever else. All, all that out, social all media that we social media about. stuff. Yeah. And my email is on is on the website. And okay. I look forward to anybody emailing or asking questions.
1: Great. Well, continued success to you, and thank you again for joining us. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Again, please visit our website at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net for all things related to the show. Have a great week, everyone.